Uh, thank you for the, for the warm welcome and the opportunity to share God's word here with you this evening. It's always a, a great honor to be able to get into the word and, and, and share that. So thank you for the invite. Um, yeah, Warren McKenzie from Forest Lake Baptist Church. Uh, I'm an intern there studying with Malion Baptist College. Uh, I'm also involved in a, uh, a ministry called Crosswords, which is known as the Hip Hop Church, uh, an unusual ministry you don't see around a lot. Uh, it's uh, Australia-wide and has gone overseas as well, started in Sydney, and we look after the Brisbane branch of that. And basically the idea is sharing the message, sharing, of, sharing the hope that we have in Jesus through the arts of the hip-hop culture. So through visual arts and aerosol art, through breakdancing, through rapping, uh, DJing, um, and all the things that make up what that culture is. And one of the things that we get to do with that... Um, is to go into the youth detention centre and we are currently running church services once a month in there uh, for the young people and uh, it's been a real blessing and a really great opportunity to uh, share the gospel through through this medium. So uh, I'm going to share with you on Colossians, um, in particular tonight, Colossians 3.16. Um, a few years ago I was over at a, a neighbour's house having afternoon tea and they had a guest there. And the, the guest was, started talking to me, asking questions and, you know, what do you do for work? What do you do this? And I always try and use those opportunities to get to talking about church. And so I, I mentioned that I went to church. And he began to reflect. He wasn't a Christian, but he began to reflect on a time when um, he was working away from home on weekends and he was working near a church. And he reported to me what he saw and what he observed of this church. And he talked about how they were a people who got together and seemed to genuinely care for one another. He noticed that about them. He noticed that they were people who ate together. They, um, he, he didn't say the word fellowship, but he was referring to the fellowship that they had. And one of the key things that he really noticed was the way that they would sing together. And so we kind of take it for granted, the fact we come together and sing, but there's not a lot, of, outside of maybe going to a show or something like that, there's not a lot of places where people just get together and, and sing it. And what he said about it was, it sounded like a place you might want to be. I thought, how good is that? What a great observation. And from a non-Christian to talk about a church and say, it sounds like a place you might want to be. So the Bible is full of song lyrics. And right from the beginning of the time when, when God's people are coming together, they've been singing together. What I'd like to do is have a look at a bit of a snapshot of uh, some snapshots of what that's looked like across, across time. So We'll start with the Old Testament. If we go to the first slide there. All right, this is uh, Song of Miriam, a painting of Song of Miriam. Um, and this is also known as the uh, Song of Seas, I think it is, where the Israelites have crossed over the Red Sea. And the first, one of the first things they do is to glorify God for what's happened, and they sing together. All right. Um, up the back there. Looks like, if we go back a moment, clearly a charismatic worshipper up the back. Um, the rest are probably Baptist and Presbyterian. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. All right, um, the harp gives it away, a painting of David. So we know David is the author of many psalms, bringing many lyrics together. Um, some giant candles going on there, which are pretty cool. The outfit's um, a little bit inappropriate in today's setting, but I'm sure relevant at the, at the time. So... Here they were. Let's take more of a um, getting to more, towards a modern look at some people coming together. Uh, this looks like a place you might want to be. Looks like a lot of fun going on there, getting around the piano, singing together. 
Uh, let's go to the next one. All right, the Salvos. I, I'm a youth worker with the Salvos. One thing I've noticed about the Salvos is they love to sing. They love to bring all instruments that they can find um, and bring them and use everything they've got to sing praises to God. Let's move on. Enthusiastic uh, yeah. uh, singing to the Lord. On to the next one. Just a mass of people coming together to sing and, and worship God. And maybe there's one more. And yeah, a modern, this looks probably fairly familiar to many of us, particularly in, in youth church settings. Could be mistaken for a rock concert, but uh, it's nonetheless, it's people coming together to sing songs together, to worship and to glorify God. And what I love about uh, 3.16 Colossians 3.16, is that we get an instruction about singing. So we've got song lyrics all throughout the Bible, uh, right from the beginning to the end. There's, there's, there's lyrics all throughout it. But in Colossians 3.16, we get this specific instruction that this is part of who we are as a community, coming together and singing. So I'll just um, read, read the 3.16 again. It says, To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that's the scripture. So let's just have a bit of a look at some of these, these parts that make up this scripture. The first bit is that the word of Christ is to dwell richly among us. What is this word of Christ and who is this, uh, this Christ? Well, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, in the New Testament, we have 27 documents informing us of Jesus. Um, we have, in fact, the entire Bible, all 66 books, that as we look a bit further, we find out all of these books are about Jesus. The entire canon of Scripture is about him. There is, outside of the Bible, there's uh, lots of evidence for him. But what the Scriptures specifically teach us about Jesus is that he's fully man, yet at the same time he is fully God, and that he was there from the very beginning but that he stepped into our reality to save us. Not while we had it all together, not while we were being good people, but while we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. He became a sacrifice. That if we, um, previously to that, our lives were separate from God because of sin, but what has happened through Jesus is that our lives have been able to be reunited through what Jesus has done. So this is the person that uh, Paul is talking about. And the word, if we take a look at the, even the Greek word for the word word, uh, we find the word logo, logos or logos as some pronounce it, speech in progress. And this is, a, this is a, a word that's loaded with meaning. But one of the things we can also go across is to the Gospel of John. And this is where we talk about the word that became flesh. So this is fitting for what we're talking about here tonight, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So Paul says that it's his word that we're looking at. He also says that we are to teach and to admonish one another in all wisdom. So what we get from this part of the passage is that the word of Christ is taught to us to make us wise. Oh, thank you. The word of Christ is taught to us to make us wise. This is not wise by the world's standards. Now, we've all, uh, we all like to aspire to being wise. Nobody would like to be thought of as a fool. No one thinks about their life and goes, yeah, I would really like to be unwise. We all want to be wise. The scripture in this, this passage is teaching us 
that to be wise is to know Jesus. To be wise is to know Jesus. And if we have a bit of a read through the book of Colossians, we actually find out a little bit more in here where it says, Paul says, the knowledge of God's mystery is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So God has revealed himself to us through the person of Jesus. So if you're someone who's coming uh, here at the moment because you've got some questions about God, you're wondering if, is it possible for me to know God? The answer is yes, and God has given you that answer in Jesus. Jesus has been given that we might know who God is. So if we have a look at this word admonish that comes up in the passage. Now, I think that probably needs a little bit further attention because I don't use the word admonish very much, uh, but it does come up in Scripture, and it's an important word. One of the things that we, we get with this word is that it's about bringing correction to each other. So it's, uh, we are to teach and bring correction. But it's, it's more than that. If you look up the word, you'll find some other things about it where it says it's to urge one another towards something or to warn against something. So it's a word that has multiple meaning about advising one another in the scriptures, that we might bring correction, that we might bring people's focus to the word of God and looking to what God has to say over a situation. Now, this is not a license for us to go and kind of mouth off to one another or, you know, pull the scripture out and point to it. Um, give each other a hard time because there's right channels for going through these sorts of things, isn't there? And we want to do things in grace and love. But what it's saying is as we focus on the scriptures that we are going to be growing together in this godliness. So if we are to become wise by knowing Jesus, then the scriptures are going to have to become very important to us. We're going to have to become, um, as a community, people who are about the scriptures. If we're going to know Jesus, the way that we get to do that is to, is to know the Scriptures. And it can be tough at times, right? At the beginning of the year, we might go onto our apps and we might look at all the uh, things that we can do to help get a reading plan. And it can be quite a, a tough challenge. And there's a reason why preachers are always saying, be in the Word, be in the Word, because they know that uh, we as a community are often struggling with being in the Bible and, and, and reading it. I was having this conversation with my, my wife as I was looking over the passage and trying to, you know, uh, think about this. And I was, I was wondering whether we have a low opinion of Scripture. Is it possible that maybe we don't view it as highly as we ought to? And I thought I was onto something. My wife corrected me. She said, no, I don't think it is that. I think we know that it is important. But she spoke more about how it can often be the fact that we get lazy or we get distracted so even if you've got the app on your phone, right next to it is probably the Facebook symbol. Or you go home and, yes, I'm going to get into the Word tonight. I'll just have a quick look at Netflix, see what's on there. We get distracted by these things. We have a friend who we went to visit. We don't see them very often. We went to see this friend of ours, and uh, she would boldly proclaim that she is a Christian. Uh, no doubts about that. Has done for a long time. And as we began to talk over lunch... She started, we got into talking about the Bible, going to church, and she made this statement, which we found quite alarming. She said, yeah, I'm just not really a Bible person. Now, as she said that, it was quite alarming to us. I, I struggle with putting those together. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Bible person. What I get is, I'm a Christian, 
but gee, it's, it's hard getting into the Word sometimes. I get that one. But those two things aren't things that should be separated. For us as Christians, we need to, uh, to be in the Word. So my prayer is, and my prayer has been over the last few years, God, help me to love your Word more than I love the things of the world. Help me to do that, God, because I'm struggling on my own to, to, uh, to, to, to get that discipline. So I think we need to come to God humbly and honestly, asking him to help us become lovers of the scriptures. So the scriptures uh, and the preaching of the scriptures are vital to the life of the church, to the health of the church, in fact. But what I love about this passage, as we, as we go back to it, is how we get this specific instruction about teaching and admonishing, about having the word of Christ dwell richly in us. And one of the ways that we are instructed to do that is by singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, this is not a, a list with a, a full stop at the end saying, these are the only three things that you do when it comes to singing. It's not a list uh, genres. It's not come together with jazz, hip-hop, rock, blues. It's talking about songs that point us to God, where the content is scriptural, songs that are about Jesus. So if we look at... Uh, the first one here, Psalms, come together with the Psalms. What this teaches us about our songs is that they are to be songs where the lyrical content is based on Scripture. If we're singing Psalms, we're singing Scripture to one another. I've got an, an artist that I listen to. He's a, he's a hip-hop artist, and he did a song based on Psalm 73. And it really taught me a lot when we're talking about being taught in Scripture and as he reflected and had um, this uh, discussion at the beginning of the song as well on Psalm 73, um, it really opened my eyes to something when we think about going to heaven. And it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail. However, the Lord is my portion forever. Now, I was really familiar with the part about the Lord is my portion forever. That was something that I would cling on to, and I, and I knew that. But when he focused in on that first line, whom have I in heaven but you, it really opened my eyes to understanding that when we think about going to heaven, often we might think about the things that, uh, the good things that come with that. For instance, pain-free living. If we go to Revelation, we can talk about there being no pain. and um, We might think about being in a place where we have our friends and our family with us, the ones that we've loved and been in church with. And almost we start thinking about the sort of very comfortable life that we might have. But what that scripture is saying is it says, whom have I in heaven but you, helps to get our focus on what our treasure is, is actually Christ. Our treasure in heaven is actually Christ. This is a type of teaching that comes through when we look at the, the Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, hymns, we've got a, a, one of the elders at our church who just loves hymns. And he gave me a hymn book, and I spoke to you before about, about using hip-hop music, and that's been something I've been able to draw inspiration from. The hymns are songs to glorify God, and they're also used as a teaching tool to help us grow in the Scriptures together. And for people um, who might not even get a chance to um, understand some theology, the hymns were designed to help people uh, be taught and understand better. And then we have spiritual songs where there's a focus on uh, the spon uh, 
spontaneous type of singing that comes from knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work in our life. He has moved within us and we feel like we can't help but want to sing about it, about the goodness that's coming through. A few years back, I was in conversation with some friends of mine and talking, and I know that they'd left the church. Uh, One was a family member, another person that I knew, an old friend. And I started to ask them about why, you know, what was going on for them in their, their walk with God? Why have you left the church? And they started to tell me that they felt that God had let them down. And I said, okay, well, let's explore that a little bit more. What, what, is it, what are the things that you feel let down in? And for the family member particularly, a lot of her prayers had been about, God, I want more money because I'm feeling like I'm struggling at the moment. God, I want to have more of this or more of that, or God, I really want to have a better job than the one that I've got now. And as we, as we looked at it, I started to realize all of the things that have been the prayers, they're not things that are found in Scripture. God never says that he's going to make life comfortable and, and cushy for us. And I started to realize the importance of being in the Word and understanding what it is that God actually promises so one of the first songs that we wrote for, um, uh, for our Crosswords Hip Hop Ministry was a song called He Is Faithful, which was designed to teach people about what the promises of God were. What are the things that they can actually hope for and know that God will be faithful to? And if it's all right with you, I'd like to just share some of those lyrics with you now. I'm not going to do it with the beat because I'll give you the opportunity just to be able to focus on, on the uh, written content of it. All right. If you're okay with rap. You okay with rap? All right. He is faithful, this God who we serve. He's true to the promises found in his word. He is faithful. The one who we follow, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is faithful. We ask and believe. Life transformed through Christ we receive. He is faithful. And though everything fades, we call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Some get it twisted and missed it. They think that the gifts of the Spirit were given so they could live the richest. Nothing's depicted in the Scripture that fits this. In fact, God says that there'll be suffering within this. You conflicted? Think you don't care? That's a mistake, dude. His Word says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Truth found in Hebrews 13 verse 5, Free from the love of money, it's Christ that satisfies. Seek first the kingdom of God is what we read. In Matthew 6, 33, he gives you everything you need. Let scripture sustain us through times that are tough. Victory is ours through him that loved us. He gives peace of heart and mind that you will live. And this gift of peace, this world cannot give. Romans 10, 9 says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Let him help you with the doubts. He is faithful. Amen. Thank you. So we wanted to be able to bring a type of teaching that helped people understand who God is. If we don't have a good understanding of who God is, we end up following an idol. And that's, that's dangerous territory to get into. Because God has clearly outlined who he is and, and allowed us to see who he is through the person of Jesus. Um, and it's, so it's important for us when we come together that we're not just um, picking a song list, not just picking a song list as such, but we're thinking about the words that are in these songs and proclaiming them to one another. Just before, we had a look at the song, In Christ Alone. And I just love that song. I love the teaching. 
of the atonement of Jesus being the sacrifice to us. I started to look up on the internet those lyrics because I want to just reflect on them as I was looking at this passage. And what I found was that there were many churches that were actually taking out some of those lyrics and getting rid of them. Some of the really, really necessary teaching. So there's one line in particular that says, um, the wrath of God was satisfied. And churches, uh, some churches were actually, yeah, we'll rewrite that one because we don't want to use the term the wrath of God. And this is, this is dangerous as well because we need to understand that unless we understand wrath and that we want a holy God, right? We want a God who upholds justice. You're not going to have a God of love if you don't have a God of justice. And the wrath of God is to be poured out upon the unrepentant sinner. And we need to know that. And so that's why I loved those lyrics was that the wrath of God was satisfied. So rather than you and I having to face the wrath of God, it was Christ who stood in our place, became a sacrifice for us and gave his life for us. Uh, a very important song. I think we're doing the creed. Is that right? We've got that one coming up soon. Uh, the creed, another one. As we look at these lyrics together, we're proclaiming truths of scripture together. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. A truly Christian community is a Christ-centered community, one that teaches each other the Scriptures, and we do it through songs. And let our prayer be that we would grow in this together as a community. Paul isn't writing to an individual like he is in the book of Timothy. He's writing to a, a group of people and saying, pass this around to other churches that this knowledge would, would be for us all as a community. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was um, invited to go and speak at a little uh, Baptist church in Mandubra. And what I began to learn about Mandubra is that it's a, a small town that's been through a really hard time. Uh, years ago, they had floods, um, hard to get work. Um, so it was a bit of a tough town. In the, in the middle of it, there's a Baptist church. And I was going out to preach on the weekend just after the pastor's wife had died. And one of, the, one of my first sermons. Um, so that was quite nerve-wracking to sort of go into. What I was expecting as I went to that church was I was expecting to find a church that was very broken, uh, maybe a bit hopeless. That, was, that would be fair to think that they might be feeling that way. And sure, when I got there, there was, there was tears there was weeping, there was uh, grieving for the loss that they'd had. But there was something really big going on there that it really impacted my life. And I noticed it in the way that when I went to the prayer meeting at the beginning, people had their Bibles out and they were quoting scriptures to one another. They were using the scriptures to pray and speak into one, each other's lives. I noticed as well when the church came together to sing, it was a small church, but as they sang, there was a conviction as they sang and boldly proclaimed the hope that they had in Jesus. And I noticed it again when I opened up the word to preach that there was a sense of excitement that just grew in the place, not because I was there, they didn't know me at all, but because we were going to get into the scriptures together. And I couldn't have said this at the time, but reflecting on this passage, I believe now what I saw was a place where the word of Christ was dwelling richly among them, a place where they taught and admonished one another in wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
And I pray that we continue as a community to grow in our love for Christ, our love for his word, that others would be impacted as they visit our churches, as they uh, interact with us uh, around the way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that brings people together. We are not here for just social interactions, catching up with friends, but it's your word that brings us together. Your word teaches us the truth about who you are and about who Jesus is. I pray in in this year, in 2016, that you would help us, Lord, to continue to fall out of love with the things of the world and to fall in love more this year with Christ, to fall more in love with your scriptures. Lord, we thank you for Christ, that he gave his life for us as a sacrifice. You gave him that we might know who you are and that we might be restored to you in relationship. I pray that we would be encouraged in this as we go out this week. In Jesus' name, amen.